If you're able, take a Bible and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. The original plan was us to, for us to finish uh, 1 John this, uh, this, this morning, and uh, that's just not going to happen. Um, and so we'll, we'll, uh, the plan will be for us to read verses uh, 13 through 17 this morning, and then we'll, our plan will be to finish uh, next week uh, by looking at verses 18 through 21. And uh, in fact, I, I, even as the week unfolded, I, I, I don't think I'll even get too much into verses 16 and 17, although I'll read them and maybe make, make a, a, a passing note on them. Either way, beginning at verse 13, these are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we uh, have toward him, towards him, that if, um, uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. Uh, to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. But th- there is sin that leads to death. I, I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead lead to death. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Father, as we now look at your word, that your word would be as it is, alive, But, but that it would be alive in our hearts and in our minds, that we would see life even as we... Uh, look at these words. And so to that end, we would pray for the presence of your Spirit. Even as we've already prayed that, we pray that now even again for these moments in which we look at your Word. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Two things I want us to look at briefly this morning, both of which revolve around the subject of eternal life. That's how we ended up Last week in verses uh, uh, 11 and 12, and, and that's where we pick up again this week uh, uh, with a discussion about eternal life. And two things I want to say about this eternal life, primarily from verses 13, 14, and 15, I want us to see something of the certainty for eternal life. That's verse 13. And then I want us to note of the confidence from eternal life. That's verses 14 and 15. Look at the first, if we divided verse 13 into three segments, look at the first and third segment uh, of, of verse 13. He says, I write these things to you, now skipping now to the third part, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, on at least 
eight previous occasions in this short little letter, primarily in chapters 1 and 2, John has said, I write these things to you. Uh, and he's, he's mentioned that at least eight other times. But I would suggest to you that here at, this, at the very tail end of this book, when he says, I write these things to you, I, I, I think he's drawing us some composite of, of all that he has said in this letter to us. Uh, in other words, the, the previous eight times that he says, I write these things to you, uh, are, are really uh, 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 multiple supporting reasons uh, that he hopes to get across in this, that he, that he hoped to have gotten across in this letter. But, but now here at the very end of this book, or toward almost at the end of this book, we are seeing something of the overarching uh, culmination, culminating reason uh, for this book. This, this book was given to us. God has, has preserved this book for us so that in reading it and in studying it and in mulling over, uh, that, 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 we would ex- that we would have something of the certainty settled in our hearts concerning eternal life. Now, we, we talked about eternal life last week, and we talked about the fact that we're not talking about just merely a really long existence. We're, when, it, when the Bible speaks of life or eternal life, it's, 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 it's a certain um, life lived in relationship with the creator of life. John wants you and I, God even more importantly than John, not to dismiss John, but God wants us this morning to have a, a, a certainty in, in, in terms of where we are at in living in relationship with God. Relationship with God as our Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the fellowship or the joy of the Spirit is, in fact, the, 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 the central theme, not only of this book, but of the entire universe. At the center of our universe is a father who loves his son in the joy and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And eternal life is you and I being brought into that Trinitarian experience of love and joy and fellowship and relationship. John says, I want you to know that you have that. I want you to have a certainty that pulsates in your heart that, that you are living in relationship with this Father through His Son in the joy and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But then he specifies, who's the you here? And that's the middle part of verse 13. You who believe in the name of the Son of God. And in fact, literally what he is saying is you who are at this present moment believing in the name of the Son of God. Do you realize that the, 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 the most important aspect of belief is whether or not it's present in your life at this moment? Say, when did I start believing that? Well, it's not that that's irrelevant, but, but when you started believing, that is not the most important thing. Well, well, well how long will I continue believing? Well, you, I, we don't know that either, but at this moment, the issue is not, at some point, did you believe in Jesus? At some point, will you believe in Jesus? No, this morning, the issue is, are you at this present moment 
actively, ongoingly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you and I at this moment are actively, ongoingly believing, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you and I can have a certainty that we have brought, been brought up into the loving relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why, that's why believing is such a, 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 a precious aspect of our lives and our, our existence. That's, a, that's why our, our, our faith in Christ is something that warrants serious ongoing cultivation, something that, that warrants continued alert vigilance. Why? Because the certainty of eternal life, in a sense, is, is conditioned upon, at this present moment, the authenticity of our relationship with Jesus. Well, and I, what do you mean, the, authent, the authenticity of this present moment of our relationship with Jesus? At this present moment, are you and I trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, life Life is a journey that is designed to test the legitimacy of our profession in Christ. When I read a passage like 1 Peter chapter 1, when he speaks about the inheritance that we have that is being kept for us in heaven. He says in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Then he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, I'm thinking, is it necessary? <laughs> uh, but if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The, the troubles that come our way, the troubles that we feel landing upon our hearts, are, are, Peter helps us to make sense of that. He says that these are the things that our Father has deemed necessary for a little while to test the genuineness. If, if you and I can make it through the, the hard things that we see and the hard things that we witness and the hard things that we experience, if we can make it through that and we can keep looking to Jesus and trusting in Him, then those trials have been used for a good purpose to, to test the genuineness of our faith so that our faith would result in praise and honor and glory toward Jesus Christ at His coming. You see, it's the difficulties of life that help clarify how acutely alert we are to Jesus. says, so you who believe in the name of the Son of God, the name of the Son of God. Parents who are expecting new children go through a great deal of fuss trying to sort out, well, what do we name the kid? Uh, and uh, why? Because we want the name to be something special. In a sense, most parents try to pick a name that is somewhat 
uh, aspirational. That, that we, oh, we, we don't want to pick the name that means knucklehead. I mean, we want to pick the name that means strong and mighty and glorious and beautiful. And so, why? Because aspirationally, we, we hope that our child tastes and lives up to and experiences some of what is in his name. Well, when he speaks of those of us who believe in the name of Jesus, it's a reminder that our belief, the key component of our belief is its object, is the person of, of its focus. And, and when, it, when the Bible speaks of the name of Jesus, it's, it's, it's really speaking of the symbolism of all that is true about Jesus, all that he is, all that he has accomplished, all that he has provided, all that he has ordered and directed. So to believe in the name of Jesus Christ means to be intimately knowledgeable and intimately aware of who Jesus is in all of his multifaceted beauty and glory. Does it mean that we simply believe in something somewhere, somehow, sometime? It means that we see Jesus, all that he is, all that he's accomplished, all that he provides, and all that he orders. That's an ongoing process. Isn't it amazing that, that I, I don't say this to brag, but, but since February of 1980, I've been trusting in Jesus. Uh, how long is that? That's a long time, isn't it? Isn't that like 40-something, almost 40 years? Is that... 38, 30, I don't know how long it is, somebody, so I'm not a mathematician. But you would think that after looking at somebody for 30-something years, almost 40 years, what more is there to learn and to see? I, I, I think after 40 years, I don't know the half of it. I haven't seen the half of it. We're talking about the God-man who is infinite and eternal. When when will I finish exhausting, comprehending the beauties and the glories of Jesus? You see, faith keeps looking to Jesus and keeps unearthing and discovering and realizing new beauties and new glories and new accomplishments and, and, and new provisions of Jesus. As we're growing in that Faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. John says, I want you to have certainty that you have eternal life. But I've got to go on. The confidence. So the certainty, of, uh, the certainty for eternal life results in the confidence from eternal life. There's a sense in which you read this and you're like, what does verses 14 and 15 have to do with verse 13? And verse 13, he's talking about how we can have certainty of eternal life. And now in verses 14 to 15, he starts talking about prayer. Like, wow, what a big shift. I'd suggest it's not a big shift. I suggest that, that the certainty that we have for eternal life is not just something that we wait for down the road. The certainty of eternal life gets translated into immediate confidence in how we can approach the throne of God's grace right here, right now. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, verse 14. He hears us. 
You see, if, 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 and it is, because, not because I said so, because the scripture says so, but if the essence of eternal life that we've been talking about last week and this week is relationship with God, the God who exists as three persons, Father who loves his Son in the fellowship and joy of the Holy Spirit, then the expression of eternal life in relationship with God is approaching God in prayer having a conversation with God, communing with God in nearness to Him. You see, if the point of what Jesus did is to provide us eternal life, the practice of that eternal life is that right here and right now, we are the people who get to turn to Him and talk to Him. You see, our faith is in the Lord Jesus, our love for the Lord Jesus, our hope before the Lord Jesus is almost deeply expressed through our turning to the Lord at this present moment in prayer. Our praying reveals much about our grasp of what eternal life consists of, whether or not we understand that it consists of an active and interactive and personal relationship with our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, the certainty of eternal life gives rise to confidence about this eternal life. He hears us. He hears us. He hears us. (laughs) Now, no one passage of Scripture, since since there's more than one, if there was only one, that this would be it. But no one passage of Scripture uh, unfolds for us all that we would need to know and think about and realize as it pertains to prayer. But what this passage reminds us of is that, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then, and then so anything according to his will helps to color our understanding of the next verse. And, if, and, and we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So... Whatever we ask, we know we have it, is really what verse 15 is saying. But that has to be understood in light of whatever we ask, if it's in the name of Jesus, under his authority, it's, it's, it's also sought with an, an admission of, but I want your will, not my will, Father. Oh, the scriptures paint so many warm images and notions for us. Think of, think of the imagery of Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Which, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, gives him a stone? Hey, Dad, can I have some bread? And then you throw a rock at the kid's head. What father does that? Or, 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 if, or if, if your son asks for a fish, you give him a snake. 
And he says, so if evil fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more does our father, does, 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 uh, will, our, will, our, will our good father uh, have in the good things to those, give to the, our, our, will, will our father give, you get the point. Just some mornings you ain't got it, so. Or think of what it says in James 4. You do not have. And he says, you know why you don't have? You don't ask. But then he says, and, and, and you ask and you don't receive. You say, wait a minute, that's a contradiction. He says, you don't have because you don't ask. Go just ask. And then he says, well, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly that you might spend it on your passions, which fits nicely with what John has just told us. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You see, you see uh, pr- praying as, 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 as well as life with our Father in heaven is not mechanical. It's personal. It's not automatic. It's interactive. You, you remember the, the prayer request by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord that, that, his, that the thorn in his flesh, whatever that was, the thorn in his flesh might be removed. Three times. Now, how does that fit with the reason you don't have is because you don't ask? Or if we ask, he hears us. Well, three times, Lord, could you remove this thorn in my flesh? It says in the context, this messenger of Satan that it should leave me. But the Lord says, Paul realizes, but the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, that thorn in your flesh that you've asked for three times to be removed? No. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. I mean, what, what you and I have to, what the journey of faith and what the journey in our walk with Jesus translates into is we have to, we have to ask ourselves this important question in a world that is not yet fully right. Is a thorn in our flesh coupled with the strong presence of our Lord Better than no thorn, but no presence of the Lord. I mean, what do you and I need this morning? Say, I need that thorn to be gotten rid of. Well, I get that. But, but really what he's saying is your, our good father says, no, I, I, I got this. I know what you need. I, I, you need for the thorn to stay, and you need for my presence, the presence of my grace to be made even more manifest to you. Oh, to be able to say, yes, Father, that's what I need. That, you're right, Father. I need that. Are you kidding me? That thorn hurts. To hear the language of faith, though. But, Father, you, you know. Just think about some of the language of our own self-talk as we maneuver through the difficulties of life. 
whether it's things we see on TV or social media or it's things that we walk through in our own personal experience. When the difficulties come, what kind of language have you noted? Do do you say things like, I, I should talk to my Father in heaven about this. I, I need my Father in heaven for this. My Father in heaven can handle this. My Father in heaven will know what to do. We, we should talk to our Father in heaven about this. Our Father in heaven will help us with this. See, that, that, is, that is the talk of faith. That, that there is faith talking, a growing faith talking. And yet there's a whole other cluster of self-talk that we could analyze about ourselves when, when the difficulties and the trials and the thorns prick us. We, do, do, do we ever catch ourselves, or have you ever caught somebody? Well, if you do, just listen to your own stuff for a while too. But ha- have we ever caught ourselves maybe using a whole other set of self-talk language? I, I, I don't know where to turn or who to turn to. Well, what good will it do to tell God? He seems to know everything anyway. What good will it do to, to talk to God? He may have a different outcome in mind than what I want. God doesn't want me to bother him by such small things. Oh, I asked the Father about that, but it didn't seem to do any good. What difference does it make if I pray or not pray? That's some of the language of unbelief or doubting. That's, that is where a, a weak and waning faith is talking. And we've all been there and done that to one degree or another. I, I don't say that to shame any of us. I, I say that so that we can clearly identify where we are at on the spectrum of, of trusting in the Lord in this present moment amid difficulties. You see, where there, where there is weak and waning faith, that is because the object or the focus of our faith is obscured or blurred or fuzzy. That, 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 that we're not clearly seeing all that Christ is. That we're not clearly seeing and growing and realizing all that Christ has accomplished. That we're not clearly seeing and, 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 and increasing in our apprehension of all that Christ has provided, that, that we're not seeing and, and therefore more fully realizing all that Christ has directed and ordered. And, and so we wrap it up like this. Our Father is good. So talk to Him. That's why you've been given eternal life. Our Father is able Nothing is too difficult for him. So talk to him. That's why we've been given eternal life. Our father is wise. He knows what to do. And so talk to him. That's why we've been given eternal life. Our father always has a way forward. So go to him. That's why we've been given access to eternal life. 
our Father, is what we need most. And so turn to Him. That's why we've been provided eternal life. Or finally, you ain't got this. But our Father does. So turn to Him. Jesus came that we have access into His presence. Eternal life starts now. Heaven is realized in but smaller scales, but true nonetheless, when we who have been afforded eternal life turn to Him and pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, there is no word like Your Word. Father, thank You for teaching us that when we talk to You, when we go to You, we are, in fact, already experiencing something of a preview of eternal life. And so, Father, our prayer this morning is that we would see Jesus clearly in all that He is, in all that He's accomplished, in all that He's provided, in all that He orders, that You would give us an ever-increasing, ever-growing, ever-expanding glimpse of Christ, and that our hearts, out of the fullness of our hearts, it would overflow into turning to You. For, Father, we're so thankful that you are on record as saying that if we will draw near to you, you draw near to us. For we pray this in Jesus' name.